Welcome to the podcast of God of Covenants Christian Center. Today, our pastor, Walter Arias, brings the message titled, Piety and Gratitude Equals Contentment. Let's listen to the message, and may God bless you. For the portion of the word, and to you, God the Father, God Almighty, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray, and we come before you with happiness and confidence putting before you, Lord, all of our lives. And this service that is in the morning that we've come now, we come to celebrate before your presence, especially now we put the portion of the word asking that your word, Lord, minister to the hearts and teaches us or confronts us or com comforts us or brings us instructions, Lord God, that one of these or all of these are fulfilled for the listeners. And I ask for those that are present so that you can give a receptive spirit and those that are in their homes those that are in different cities and for myself for the boldness to speak as it suits Lord and we give you thanks for this season that has already arrived Lord time of family time of celebrations where a massive way that society is there in the name of Jesus we pray amen and amen and in this season of Thanksgiving and until the end of the year fills and we know The atmosphere fills with a feeling of joy. It's almost like the human beings determines a time when to celebrate the races, the cultures. They look for time. And this is a good, a nice culture that in this country, I think it's one that most pleases us, the time of Thanksgiving. And not only is it reserved for a Thursday, we're saying as a church, we're going to celebrate it a Wednesday as a church. So as a family, you can celebrate it in your homes. But also, I have the news And for the photographic registers, the cell groups celebrated on Thursdays and Friday and even Wednesday last week in their homes as well. And how nice. I was so happy in Colombia looking at those photographic registers of sharing with happiness of the heart. It's a time from now that you start to mark the end of the year as well. And some say it almost smells like December. <laughs> yes. And with this, a lot of celebration a lot of joy in the hearts. And some have December in account as a time to uh, Christmas celebration of recognizing that even though it's not by the date, the birth of Jesus, but it's adapted in a time of Christmas and to celebrate Christ. And that's good. All the days are the Lord's. And so then how good it is to get together. How good it is to smile, to laugh, to eat, right? And they say that Christians, they don't smoke. Or eat a uh, drink, rather. But yes, they eat a lot. <laughs> and that's well. How good it is to laugh. How good it is to eat. How important it is to take advantage of this time, this week, today, with this word. And, and the coming days. To reflect. To pray. And to be grateful. The word of God tells us what is his perfect will. And it says that his perfect will is that we will always be happy and content and giving thanks to God in everything. Listen, the will of God is that that we always be content, say content, and say happy or joyful, and say, look, you're joyful to the person to your side. That's the will of God, that you always be content and joyful. And it says, praying, giving thanks to God, and it says for everything, for what's good, like my wife says, and even for the bad, we give thanks to God. And today's topic has a title, Piety and Gratitude 
equals contentment. Can you repeat that with me, please? Piety and gratitude equals contentment. Now do it with strength. One, two, three. Piety and gratitude equals contentment. Piety is not the lady in the corner or the neighbor from the cell group. Allow me to develop this a, a little ahead. A contentment of a believer has to see or be with two components. The joy and the happiness of a believer has two basic components. The first is piety and then the gratitude. Many encourage themselves every day to work to require financial resources to be content. Many study and they study and they study and they leave their life of studying to be able to gain one day so that they could say one day that they're content, that they're happy. Others seek to be loved, to be accepted, to be or obtain contentment and to be happy. And others seek wealth and they look for that, for their contentment. But we all understand that there's many people that despite the money, that even though they have a high finances, despite that, they're not content. That is a reality that when we all philosophize a little bit, when we think about this, we see ourselves in that truth. But this biblical secret is exists, and it is the piety and gratitude. The Word of God in 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul, in chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, says something very special. And I want you in a loud voice to take the task. Please to read it loud with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. 1, 2, 3. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Can we read it once again? Now with a lot of strength. Yes? One, two, three. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will, the perfect will of God with respect to this, of what we're touching upon, is that always we are praying and that we are always grateful or joyful to always be joyful and it says to never stop praying always pray now the other text that i want to take into account for this sermon the first letter to timothy from the apostle paul in chapter 6 and verses 6 to 10 first timothy chapter 6 verses 6 to 10 and it says there now godliness with contentment is great gain. Once again, now godliness is what? Underline this in your Bible. With Now godliness with contentment is great gain. And that contentment, that word, means gratitude. It's a huge, the gain, when you have piety with, with gr gratitude. And verse 7, for we brought nothing where into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, how should we be? With these, we shall be how? How? Say it loud, that we should be content having what? 
Say verse 8 again. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many what? Foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. And a loud voice read verse 10 with me. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Allow me to develop this and roll out this topic today with the word piety. As the first point, piety. We already said that piety is what? Is that is not the neighbor of the house. The word piety is a word that we use, and it's given to some uh, people in Spanish, but in English it's a special word, and the Bible speaks about piety, and it is the reverent service to God. Piety means the re reverent service to God. It's an inclination to God. Piety is when we desire God. Piety is when we seek God. Piety is when we honor God. All that has to do with us towards God in honor, in respect, in praise. That is what piety means. And that's why you say to the person to be a pious person. When you see, uh, hear a person that's pious, it's not saying is that we misunderstand it. We think that a person who's uh, pious, they have and give mercy. That's part of what it is being pious. But mercy is a reverent service to God as well. So piety has to do with the search of God. The topic today, again, has a title. Piety and gratitude equals what? Contentment. Can you say it once again? Piety and gratitude equals contentment. How good to be able to leave content. How good it is to be joyful. How good it is to be satisfied in everything that we do. And for that, I need the foundation. It's my unity with God. That's very important that you determine this once and for all in your life. You cannot depend on yourself. You cannot depend on your own strength exclusively. You cannot depend on your own capacity that's intellectual or your financial stance. You could only and must depend on God. First, God as a foundation in your life. There's things without God. There's humanism without God and humanism with God. We're humanists with God because we think in the humans and we look for the blessing for the human. But with God in the belief of God, it's necessary that you have as a foundation to love God, that you can fall in love with God. How great it is to fall in love with God. What an experience that is so beautiful, so wonderful. We, as humans, we don't know how to love. And when we speak between a man and a woman, the Bible is clear that the woman maybe knows how to love more than man himself. Now imagine, if naturally, if we don't love well, and the Bible shows the man to love, then there's things that we have to learn. And if I look at all this in general, then we all need to learn how to love God. And what happens is that we love God in the way that we understand how we love the things of this world. And it should not be that way. We need to have as a foundation, God, if you want to have a contentment, if you're a person that's joyful, if you're a person that when a hammer falls on your nail, you say, glory to God, <laughs> that you 
the house burned down and you go, blessed be God, how good it is that it looks so burnt down. There's a little piece missing. You see the greatness in God. If you want to have that, you have to fall in love with God. Amen. You have to be a pious person. A person that's pious is a person that searches for God. The fact that you're here today tells me that you are a pious person because you're looking in this a reverent service to God, a devotion to God. When you have intimacy with God, it's part of having a being a pious person. When you search for that secret time, when you bow down in that place where no one sees you, or in some places because of the circumstances, you grab hands with someone to pray for something or to pray for someone, you're lifting there a reverent service to God. I'm very happy to be able to tell and say that how good that the church of God, that we have this. And to be pious or to have piety is to live like God, that the way God wants us to live, because it has to do with our actions. It shows in your lifestyle that reverent service that you have for God. Are you with me? Look, you can have a lot of Bible knowledge. You can be a theologian, a person that knows the, and uses theology. You can have a lot of studies in that area. You could congregate a lot. But if you don't live in your secret, in your daily life, pleasing God, then there's something strange there. Then it looks more that what you have is a religion and not a relationship. We're called to have an intimate relationship with God. We're called to live in a way that pleases God. Our actions are going to speak of how pious we are or not. Are you with me? Your behavior, your language, your words that we use in the moment of difficulty, in the moment of oppression, in the moment of pain, in the moment of the attack, the words that we use are going to speak if we're pious people or not. Because we can't be cursing on one side and then on the other side, blessing God. It says from one fountain, you can't flow out two flavors. You can't have sweet water and salty water. Or we are, or we are not. So it's very important to understand that piety is the reverent service to God, where we search for God, where we intimate with God, with our lives, pleases God. And the apostle there in 1 Thessalonians, and I say again, and verses uh, 17 and 18 in chapter 5, it says, pray without ceasing. Not without uh, Caesar. It doesn't say Caesar there. Uh, but no, but it says without stopping, without ceasing, without. That's why I would see Caesar missing uh, from the meetings, but it's that he misunderstood the text. That's a joke. That's a little joke. Better understood in Spanish. Look, do you have contentment? Look, what tender hearts, right? What a beautiful congregation. It says, pray without stopping or ceasing. Pray without ceasing. The Apostle Paul is already speaking to us of what God wants. Because it says that it's the will of God in Christ Jesus that we pray all the time. A person who's pious looks to pray for everything. For everything. Looks to pray when they wake up and when they're going to fall asleep. And during the day, while they're doing, they're praying. And while they're traveling, they're praying. And if they get on a plane, they even pray more. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I say to the Lord, every time that I get on a plane, I'm like, no. I'm, I'm confessing because I travel so much. So I'm confessed because it's tremendous. That velocity that that plane takes, I still don't understand, even though we understand. It's maybe that we don't understand it so much, uh, how that plane is sustained in the, 
in the air, and it's by the force and the gravity and that it does towards the wind, but still. But it doesn't mean that it's not complex. To get on a plane and to go to a place, to a region, be it for tourism, be it for emissions, and to come home after getting into a car and go 70 miles on a highway and to get home? Every day that you leave to work, that you drive miles, analyze everything that's happening. How many accidents there are daily and how much we need to cover ourselves in prayer. We cannot get up in the morning just to get up like animals <laughs> and eat quickly and clothe ourselves quickly without praying. We need to have as a foundation as God and pray without stopping for the arrival of where I'm going, for the topic that I'm going to speak about, for what I'm going to hear, for what I'm going to converse, for what I'm going to deal with in the day. It's very important to involve. I invite you that if you're not doing it, that you start to do it. Start to put God in your job, in your restaurant, wherever you work, in the company where you attend to, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, wherever you attend, if you have a business, if you sell, if you receive, whatever you do, I invite you that you put God in that and all the time. Put God in prayer. Amen? Having the opportunity to work for a business in New York. Now I know you want to say it. Take it. You can say the Sabaros. name. Sabaros. <laughs> I need to speak of what I know. The truth is that is that there, my store, the store that they gave me, that they gave me to manage for the glory of God and for my joy, those stores always increased in sales. And I had the opportunity once to be called before the directive of the whole company. It was 1,200 stores. It was a general meeting because of the fall of the Twin Towers. They called me to Long Island as one of the managers. And on the way, I was praying in the car on the highway. And I felt an acceleration in my heart. And I felt that God was dealing with me. And it was a prayer. And I said, Lord, if they put me to speak, I'm going to give you the glory. And when I got to that meeting that came to my heart, I don't know why. And I understood it was because on behalf of God, and when I was there, I was the one of the youngest managers in that time in that company. There was people ideal for the work of the management of those great uh, stores of Sabaro and people that were European. There were some Greeks, Italians, like they knew a little bit more than a person that came from Colombia that it's that pasta and pizza is not their culture. But God in grace allowed me to lift up a store. Well, they gave me at the end of my career with them, they gave me an opportunity in the Bronx. I don't know why. That Bronx, the Bronx is so uh, despised. <laughs> Maybe for the story of the city of the Bronx, it's always like, oh, whoa, some go like this. And with this, I'm not saying, and I'm not offending anyone that comes from there, because some that are here are from the Bronx, but it's a truth that they, it's a paradigm, like something Bronx, and right away, you know, alerts are lifted. So that store in the Bronx, nobody wanted it. And they offered it to me, and I had the opportunity to be there before the courts of the Concourse Plaza, those of you that uh, know the Bronx. And of course, the clients that I had were two types of clients. Uh, very particular, it was the it was the police officers and the accused. <laughs> they would come and do the lines, and I had to attend them. And the store was falling everywhere. It was a store that, who was there, 
I think they didn't have any piety. They didn't have a reverent service to God because if they had that to God, they would have given the height to the store that even though it's not his, they were given to him to manage it. And what I did is I came and I prayed for the store and I started to pray with the theology that we understood that the understanding that we have of the word. And so I started to pray to clean the airs. I said, clean this ambiance, clean this environment. And, and I knew the person who uh, was managing it from what religion. So then I started to command, to, I said to the Lord, this store is yours. I establish your kingdom in this store. I ask that you establish it. And it was always my base daily to pray with my employees. It was prayer. It was prayer. And then we wanted to put God in the pizza, put God in the pasta. I remember the clients and the customers coming and saying, wow, the Sabaro is the best pizza place ever. <laughs> and I was so happy and content. And they said, why do you say it's the best pizza? Because I said it was done with dough, cheese, and sauce, and with love. And the people were like, wow, they'd be so amazed and serious. <laughs> they would believe it, and they would eat, and they would buy, and they would return. And the store started to produce a lot of sales. And I would pray with the employees. I would pray for everything. I would pray so that they wouldn't steal from me because the people would come and take the juice and run out. And I would try a holy race and take it away and bring it back. <laughs> All in the love of the Lord. <laughs> and I remember in that time, I in that meeting, I had a question. And they initiate the conversation saying, it's not a secret in the company that the company is in bankruptcy. Or, or, or because when the World, uh, the World Trade Center, the Twin Towers fell down, the finances really fell for everyone. And we were in a crisis. And they said that there was one store that in that crisis lifted up all the sales. And in my heart, because I came out in the magazines uh, in the company and I was like the number one salesperson at that time. And glory to God, because my heart started to accelerate because my English wasn't that great as it was. It was worse than what it is now. <laughs> and when I get nervous, my English is gone. And so then, <clears throat> so the president of the corporation says, we can't continue this meeting if we don't ask a question because... All of us are here. They justify themselves of the fall of the sales because of what happened in the United States. But there's a store that lifted its sales. And we want to know what's the secret. And I said it. And I said, perhaps what I'm going to say is going to make you laugh. But for me, it's a reality. How many of you involve God in the pizzeria or in your stores? Because I, every day, I pray with my team. I pray for the food. I bless the kitchen. I blessed the stands and I precisely one person laughed and he says, God is not going to come down and give a, a glass of water for me. He's, I said, that's the difference between you and I. You, they asked me a question. I'm giving you the response. I said, involve God in everything. And I say to you, involve him in your gains, in your, in your events. Involve him. When you gain $50 more, give glory to God and thanks to God. When they promote you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. When they take away the work opportunity, say, thank you, God, glory to God. Something is going to happen. Something you're teaching me for being for losing my job. Always pray. Always pray. Don't stop praying in what's good times and bad times. The Christian doesn't pray only in the bad times. The Christian gives thanks to God when it's good and bad. Because some have as a custom that when they progress, they stop praying. They stop involving God. And they become little gods. Little gods? Like that. A little god. May that not be what you have in your heart. Let us pray 
without ceasing. It says here, piety has to do with that reverent service to involve God all the time. It's to search for God through the word. And that's why I always insist, and I will continue insisting, to bring your Bible, underline the Bible, highlight the verses, read the Bible. Always, some people come and they raise their cell phone, and you see one of you, and you know that in those devices, you get your daily alerts, and your heart then is taken to temptation, and it's taken away from reading. Are you with me? Search God in prayer. Let us look for Him in fasting. Part of that piety is fasting. And fasting is not holding that hunger back. Fasting is to abstain from food, but with a purpose of searching for God in prayer and meditation of the Word. Because you need to grow in something. You need an answer. You need to have your mind cleansed and free. And when your mind is really free, curiously, and you empty out your stomach, it's something that's very special. And upon this, you can learn more in the books of fasting that we have here in the bookstore. Let us search for God in the reverent service to God in celebration. When we come here and we sing, and we come here and we worship, when you put your songs, your holy songs or holy music, or music that your gospel music home, we're celebrating there. When we worship, we're doing a reverent service before God. And I think you're a person that's very pious. Look to the person to your side and say, you have a face that's so pious, it's impressive. Say it to them. <laughs> Let us search for God. When we do to others that we do well for others, when we do something well for others, we have a reverent service to God. Are you with me? When you do well for someone else, you're being a pious person. And the Word of God invites us to love all. It tells us to even love those that are dealing with us badly. And sometimes they turn into enemies. And it says that we pray for them, that we bless them. The Word of God tells us in James chapter 2, verse 17, the following. Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Will you read it with me in a loud voice, please? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You cannot say that you're pious, that you love God, that you have a relationship with God, if your way of living within humans doesn't give glory to God. Are you with me? We're called to do well where we're working. If you're a, an employee, then do well and what's right. If you work for someone, then do that. Lift up that portion of the company that they have given you to manage. Do it well for the glory of God. Do it well. Bless your employer or help your employer. And lift up that business for your employer. Because if you help that, lift up their sales and their company, then you're going to be benefited. And if your boss is disgraceful, then God is going to have that in account with you. And with him, you, his bountifulness. But you do well where you work. We have to live a correct essence of God. If you study, give the glory to the king. Amen? If you're studying in school, in university, in middle school, high school, you see how the English comes out and rolls out? <laughs> if you go to college, to middle or high school, if you're going then assure yourself to be a young person that is pious, a young girl that's pious, that your lifestyle says that this light, I say he has their own light, and the light that I have is the light of Christ that's with me. Are you with me? We have to be people that our works bring glory to God. And the people can say that we are pious people. Second is the gratitude. The Apostle Paul in his first letter to Timothy 
in chapter 6, verse 8, says, Thus also, that we be how? And having food and clothing, we, these, the one, two, three, let's say this. And having food and clothing, with these, we shall be content. It says that we be happy, grateful. The word there, contentment, is the result of a person that is grateful. If you have a bed, if you have a cover, a sheet, if you have water in your home, if you have a portion of bread, the word of God says that with this, that we be grateful. Contentment, the word, implies gratitude. And there's nothing more beautiful than a person who is grateful. When you're grateful, you're well well received everywhere. And they say, sit here, thank you. Oh, stay there, thank you. <laughs> you want water, thank you. Do you want a different type of drink? Do we serve you the coffee? Thank you. There's nothing to eat? Thank you. <laughs> With hunger, gratefulness, the Bible teaches us how we should live. A person that is grateful is rejoiceful in what they have because they understand that it's the basics to living. Listen to this. A grateful person, I'm sorry, it, they're grateful for what they have. It's sufficient because they understand it's what's the basics for their life. What happens is that we get into something that is called a status. So then we put a status that is very high of life and putting that status that is so high of life, we create something that's called frustration. We ourselves get into problems because we want to live on this status where my financial status gives me to live here. If my financial status to pay a modest rent, to pay $500 or $600 or $700, why am I going to get into a debt to pay $2,000 a month? There's no sense to that. You, we can't twist God's arm. It's an act of irresponsibility, and it's going to bring problems to the heart, and you're going to damage your heart, and you could even at the end, blaspheming God, saying that you love, and I love you, and you don't provide. No, that he doesn't provide. He gives you. But what happened, he gave you what's sufficient in a moment of life, but you have wanted to omit the sufficient, to live to the way that you want. That it's still not your time. And don't tell me to repeat all of that. <laughs> rewind, rewind the tape. <laughs> if you want to hear it. You give thanks because I'm going to drink. And you give thanks because you're going to watch me drinking. <laughs> Praise God. Blessed be the Lord. <laughs> so we have that status problem. And while you have into that problem, while you get into looking for what is not capable of paying and that you won't be capable of paying, then you're making a damage for yourself and you're going to live in a way that is not grateful because you're going to live with a damaged heart. You're going to live always, always complaining. You're going to be irritated. Why? Because I cannot pay. Because I cannot pay. And because I cannot pay. And God is not a provider. And the Bible is false. And that everything that you step, the bottom of your feet will be mine in the name of Jesus. This house of $400,000. 
400,000 pesos for those <laughs> in other countries. Thank you. So we start to then try to make God in a way, and it says that who's going to construct and look at what you have so that you're not then embarrassed at the end. Who then gets confused? God or the human in his daring? It's the human in their daring because we're not grateful. The car is not good or the motorcycle is no good for us or the refrigerator or I have a case of a person that says to me, Pastor, please send me for a, a, a new refrigerator. And I said, send me the picture. And someone in Dominican Republic, and I said, send me the picture of the one you have. And I said, open it and take a picture inside. It's sufficiently good. Sufficiently good. But no, they want a newest model. They want that that you say, open the door, and the door opens and eyes fall. That's not good for them. And I said, then you're not contentment. I have to educate the people. I said, you have a problem with contentment. Your refrigerator is good. Your refrigerator doesn't have a problem. And I use it as an example. The word contentment implies gratitude, gratefulness, piety, reverence, service to God, to seek, search for God, to be a grateful person. You know, not to have, to be content and happy. Let us read Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13 to see what the Apostle Paul says there. And it says, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. And it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, what? That I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have, read this with me, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Loudly. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Blessed be the Lord. Amen. Then let us apply, let us apply that. Let's verse 13. Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we read that text, do it. One, two, three. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm gonna buy that house for four hundred thousand because I can do all things that Christ who strengthens me. I'm gonna buy this car for fifty thousand because I could do all things that Christ Jesus and you're gaining ten thousand. How are you gonna buy a car for fifty thousand? We misapply that verse. Are you with me? If you buy, if you gain a hundred thousand, then you could buy that car for fifty thousand. But if you only get ten thousand, buy the bicycle for now. That they sell it with a motor, so you're not then afflicted. So you're not afflicted. Is that we misuse the text? When the Apostle Paul says, I could do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, he's speaking of a financial context. Listen, the church. And that's why in Philippi, he says, in a great way, I was rejoiced that at last you have helped, you've revived my help. As an apostle, what they would send to him for his financial sustenance and saying, 
not that I have that need, but how good it is that you have done it for your own benefits because they were blessed to send it. But he said, I am happy and content always that even though I lack money or have abundance, I know how to live in whatever situation. And many times I have a lot and I'm content. And many times I have a lot of absence and I'm content because I can do it all in Christ Jesus that strengthens me. The Apostle Paul knew why he was saying that. He was completely, he was convinced that his joy and his firmness in life depended on his relationship with Jesus, not with money, not with the lack of it. No, it was that he in Christ Jesus was satisfied. Sometimes to withhold and, and pass through hunger, it's important. You avoid surgeries. It's not true. It's not true. <laughs> you can laugh confidently. Those that are laughing, you can. Of course. To diminish a little bit is good. And to maybe lower the uh, shopping bill from 300 to 200. Or from 200 to 100. Because we feel if the refrigerator is full, 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 then I'm happy. We think that that is what our life depends on. And that our life depends more than that. It depends on my intimacy with God. When you have intimacy with God, the calamity can come and you will be happy with God. I've said it here. And I've been 26 years in the gospel. What have I said from here? I don't know. I don't know when of the 26 years in the gospel has been the best year. Have I said it or not? It's been 26 years. We got to know Christ in a home where we live many, my wife, and myself with my daughter. And money, why? Because we spoke and you heard more. Maribel, Maribel, Maribel. <laughs> you heard, there was an echo, in other words. Because the house was very empty. The refrigerator, literally, we would make jokes that we would use it as a closet because it was so empty. There was a carbon in that refrigerator because in Colombia, it's a custom, you put a carbon so that it doesn't have a bad smell. And we would say that, <laughs> they were, this is the carbon and the light would light up the carbon <laughs> and then the the stove it was only good for half I'm going to say something what a beautiful time wow what a pure gospel the gospel that is so nice the gospel is for everyone for those that we have nothing and those that have a lot the gospel satisfies the human heart and contentment does not depend, that joy, that happiness does not depend on a financial provision. No, it depends on a permanent relationship and intimacy with God. Are you with me? Blessed be God. If you today are going through a difficult time financially, take this word. First, evaluate if you're spending more than what you're gaining. Second, if you're giving a life that doesn't correspond or you want to live that or yours that you don't have, take it easy. Get in with the Lord. If you're going through a difficulty in provision, guard yourself in the Lord. Get in with the Lord as the first part in piety. What is it? It's a reverent service at all the time and God will provide conform to his riches and glory. Amen? So Paul here was very glad. He says that he was thankful and grateful that at Finally, they gave him his financial sustenance or support, but his contentment was on Christ. 
And in First uh, Timothy chapter 6, 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. How does he say? For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we carry nothing out. Now, I want us to read. I want us to understand this. That this should not be a, to not, uh, like a conformist thought. No, no, no. I'm not putting that in your hearts. What I'm putting in your hearts is that that you guard yourself and keep yourself in God, that you reverence God, that you pray to God, that you search God, you do what's good before God, that you please God with all your heart. And if you have scarcity, be content because you're with God. But I'm not saying to not look to grow. No, we're called to grow, of course. We're called to study. We're called to progress. We can progress, look to progress, but don't allow the affliction in your heart because the problem is anxiety. So you shouldn't be having a conformist thought to not progress. No, but you should be having a thought to regulate, said to regulate ourselves, to regulate that anxiety. Are you anxious? Get in with God. Amen. Are you anxious? Then remember that you're not taking that house to the heaven, not your cars, not any of your possessions, so that your anxiety drops a little bit. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything... By what? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. How should we pray to God? With thanksgiving. In prayer and supplication in the spirit. I And I ask for this and I ask for this. And thank you for the present scarcity and for the future provision. Thank you. Even though I don't have it, I see it. That you could give me it, Lord, in your grace. You could provide. But I'm not going to come out from that sense. Amen. Our contentment cannot be based on material goods. It has to be based on the rock of salvation. Many have killed themselves because they lack goods or materials. And when that happens, they die. In the financial collapse of this country, on a world level, I think you saw in the news, so many people in Japan that uh, killed themselves in China, here in the United States, when the world financial economy dropped, their status was taken away, their, their security was taken away, and they preferred to end their life. So our heart should not be there. In Hebrews 13.5, it says, let your conduct be without covetedness. How does it say? So let your conduct be without covetedness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Look, as a church, we're going through a difficult time. What happens is that some things you reserve as a pastor in the leadership and little by little, and those needs are transmitted to other groups and to the congregation in general. And we as a church, we have a responsibility before an act that happened last year in the uh, summer school. Do you remember that there was a situation? A manager, you have to know because we spoke it here, there was a situation, there was an accusation of a child, of a young person, that we employed from another church. He was employed here for the summer school and there was a situation. According to the investigation, he did something with a, a girl from the camp of one of the girls that here and that brought us an affliction first because it's what they said happened. The other is that is that we were all here and we didn't see anything as such. And these are legal concerns in this country and when they speak here of judges and fines or demands how did ones get right 
So as a church, a year ago, we have been in a process, an investigation of something that happened with a child from another church, with a girl from the neighborhood that came, and in this investigation. But this brings a big burden to the heart because you're here struggling a lot, doing a missionary work, doing a community work that's large, and then something so strange gets up. What would that bring to the heart in the leadership And it brings us a lot of anxiety. And you know what I did this whole year? I rested in God and I found myself content. Have you not seen me content? You see me in all the programs, in the retreat, spiritual retreats and everything. We're always advancing in the Lord. The Lord will be in charge of whatever situation there is. You can have a situation that is there to resolve. I don't know if they're asking for your home or if you're losing or they're charging you something. And if you focus in that and you waste yourself in that, or you focus on Christ who's your salvation and wait in the Lord that all of this is going to be resolved in its moment. He says there that he will not leave you nor forsake you. A grateful person looks for the will of God. Give thanks in everything. For it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I want to finish with this saying something. And first I ask, Do you thank God only for the good and not for the bad? If you haven't done it, if you don't thank God for what's bad, then start to do it. And you're going to start noticing what's happening in your heart. You're going to rest in peace as soon as you give thanks to God for a failure. As soon as you give thanks to God for a problem, for an accusation that is false, for a difficult situation that you give thanks to God. When you start to pray in that direction... You're going to see the miracle of life that's going to happen within yourself. And my other question, do you only look for or think of God when something bad happens to you? Because there's people that on the contrary, when they go through something bad, they seek God. But when they're fine, they forget God. And that should not also be the attitude. The believer, mature believer is full of mercy and piety and gratitude, which it brings him contentment. Listen, a mature believer is full of piety and gratitude which brings him always contentment. Say piety, gratitude equals contentment. The desire of being rich, the desire to get rich quickly because we're in a country that it says that money is thrown on the floor, money grows on trees. Have you heard that? That in the United States that that money is just thrown on the floor. <laughs> Have you heard that? <clears throat> When I came to the United States and I came off the plane for the first time, I came and I saw $100 on the floor. I said, tomorrow I'll start to pick up the money. <laughs> That's a joke. <clears throat> But they said that everything was there within your reach. So when they say that everything here is within your reach, we get into a line of desire, of desiring goods and possessions. And sometimes they're unnecessary possessions. A need... To consume and consume and our system takes us to consume a lot. Let us be careful. Let us be moderate with everything. Let us be moderate in wanting to become rich because the Bible is clear. First, Timothy chapter 6, 9 to 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into what? Let us read it then. Both those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. What else does it say? and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Let us stop there.
Let us analyze that when the desire of money, 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 that's when these things start to happen in our hearts. Analyze it. It has sense. Makes sense. And because that physical effort, my diligence doesn't reach, then an indecent proposal comes to do an illegal purpose to get something, to do a betrayal, and to pay a little bit over there. And I start to get into what is lustful. And it says here very clearly that it brings to destruction and perdition. And verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It even says that even for the greediness of money, there's people that leave the faith. I've seen it in 26 years. People that started with me, young people that started with me at 25 years old, and I went to Colombia, went to look for them because... And I look for through communications and what's up or questions. Where's so-and-so? Oh, man, they left the faith. How is he? Bad, bad. What is he doing? He has a lot of money, but he's bad. They left the faith. Be careful that the money doesn't make you leave your faith. This text that we're citing here of the riches and wanting to rich and to be lustful or greedy, it refers to those that are not content with what they have, but are willing to do whatever to acquire wealth. This text is directed to all those people that are inclined to do whatever to find a finances, damaging many things around them, even their own integrity. Those who are not content or not happy with anything, this text wants to prevent Many women and men, listen well, that prostitute themselves for the desire of money, selling themselves on the internet or on the street. And let me repeat it. This of the desire of acquiring, of getting more, attracts many men and women that prostitute themselves for the desire of money, selling themselves on the internet or even on the street. Or in one way or another, that is more subtle. Many spend years in jail for trying to get money illegally. Many lose their families and their reputation for following money and the power and fame. And on another scale, let's observe the following. A society from the youngest to the oldest that to be happy and to be content, they have to have the latest thing in digital technology like a cell phone, games, etc., etc. Are you seeing this in your house maybe? For not to get houses and other... Are you seeing it in your own house? A child that if you don't give them the cell phone, they do the biggest fit. They make the biggest scandal. And you succumb to that and you give him so that he doesn't scream? Is this perhaps that we're teaching him well? Do you think that we're going through a good path if we continue that way? Do you think that the child needs to scream opening his mouth that they give everything that you, he wants? That this country tells us or that neighbor? No, I have to learn to regulate because from the young age they're being shown to have everything. At whatever cost, listen well. He says, if I scream more, if I throw myself on the floor, my mother and my father will give me. So I will grow up screaming, I will go exceeding, and I'm going to finish with everything because my mother and father have been and understand that if I ask, that they have to give it to me. And I ask this, then what generation are we lifting up? And excuse me that I put this seriousness 
to, to this cake. <laughs> Those that are not content end up depressed or moody or bitter, imprisoned or suicidal. But on the contrary, a little bit with contentment, a little with contentment can lead you to a lot. Amen. Please stand, church. And I'm going to explain this little part. A little with contentment can take you to a lot. Those that came for the first time, I'm going to ask for a favor. Please gather your things and please pass here. I want to pray for you for a moment if you allow me. I'm going to ask for some minutes that we pray with them briefly and quickly. Because God brought them to the church. Amen. So those of you that are visiting for the first time, there's ministers here ready for you. Men with men, women with women, if it's possible. And here there's some. Glory to God. While the rest of the church, please stands, and I say again, a little with contentment can lead you to a lot. Naturally. Listen, church. A little with contentment can bring you to a lot. Give to God thanks for what you already have. And please close your eyes in this moment and lift your eyes with me if your body allows it. And there together we pray and repeat with me. Beloved God, I give you thanks today for what I have, for my family, for the salvation in Christ Jesus. Thank you for my eternity with you. Thank you for my spiritual life. Thank you for the sustenance in a lot and in a little bit. Thank you for the provision that is amplified or scarce. Thank you for the health and even for the moments of sickness. Thank you, God, for what is my portion, for the language that you've given me, for the culture in which I have been raised, for the country where I was born. For everything, I give you thanks. Thank you for this year that is going to be finishing soon. For what you have given me to this day. For the opportunity to be in this land that is so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for the life. Thank you for the freedom. Thank you for the service. For being able to worship you day and night. For everything and in everything, I give you thanks. Thanks, Lord, for this physical place that you have given us in this community to come and worship and to grow spiritually. Thank you for keeping the church. Say to him, thank you for guarding and keeping my brothers in the faith in Christ Jesus. For all I give you thanks and let us say to him, thanks for bringing these people for the first time to this place, Lord. Thank you for their lives. We bless you, God. Give the glory to the one who lives. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to look for us in these social networks, such as Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Search under the name Dios de Pactos Florida. And on behalf of our pastors, Walter and Maribel Arias, we hope this message edifies you. Have a wonderful day and God bless.